0: Good morning, my name is Christopher Andino, I am a student, entering my last semester at Westminster Theological Seminary, Uh, so it's a long seven-year journey, but the Lord has been faithful throughout, and by God's grace, I'm finally graduating, Um, I'm also going to be helping out with the Mercy Ministry in their Spanish uh, service that they want to start, so you get to see me more often now every Sunday, so it's a privilege and honor to serve with you guys. And I'm also privileged and honored to preach His Word. Nothing fills my heart than His Word, and nothing fills my heart even more than be able to expound it and preach it. It's a privilege to be called to preach. Um, it's a privilege I don't take lightly. So, no further ado, let's begin by opening up our Bibles or in your bulletin to Romans chapter 5. It will be in the first 11 verses of Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope produces does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for the righteous person through perhaps for a good person, one were dare even to die. But God showed us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for those who are here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for all that you give us, whether it is suffering, whether it is rejoicing, whether it is pain, whether it is good times. We all know that you are all good things work for those who love you, and we ask that you give us grace and mercy to not just be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word. That we leave here, Lord, transformed, renewed, and rejoicing in the, at your goodness and all that you've given us. Let us not be complacent in our state, but let us extend forward, forget what's behind us, and reach more to become more like your son, so we can glorify you in this world that is falling, that is broken, that is in desperate need of your salvation. Let us be a witness to the world so they can see the power of the gospel and see the beauty of Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen. When you watch a TV commercial one of the objectives is to, for you to buy their products. And they do this by telling you the benefits of their products. So a phone company would say, if you buy my phone, you get a certain amount of access. You get unlimited internet. You get a better phone company. Well, if you, same with insurance company. When you go to them, they offer you, hey, you get better coverage. You get better things. So in all, in all seriousness, they're trying to convince you to buy their product by giving you the benefits of buying their product. In a more holy way, in a much better way, the Apostle Paul is telling the church of the benefits of their justification. And the Apostle Paul has five benefits to his justification. The first benefit is that we have peace with God. And we'll read verses one. The second benefit is that we have access to God because of that peace. We'll be reading verse 2. And the third benefit is that we persevere in our trials. And the fourth one is that we receive the love of God. And the fifth and last one is that we are certainty of our salvation. So those are the five benefits that Apostle Paul wants to remind the church of the justification. Let us look at the first benefit. The first benefit is that we have peace with God. Look back to me at verse 1. Look what it says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the first things that Paul addresses in our justification is our standing with God. He tells us that since we have been justified, we now have peace with God. Now, what does it mean to have peace with God? So, have peace with God means that any hostility that existed between me and God is no longer there. It has ended. It has ceased. The reason why we were in hostility with God was because of our sin. Our sin separated us from God. Our sin caused us to hate God. And, the things, and the hate, it also caused us to hate the things of God. It caused us to want nothing to do with God. Because of this, we were under God's wrath. And we also became enemies of God. But through Jesus Christ, we now have peace with God. And this peace is not just an internal subjective peace. It's an objective reality. It is true. This peace is not only in the past, but it's also here in the now and also in the future. And we hear a lot of words about peace and it's good to define what peace is especially in our times when we talk about peace and people want peace, peace in the streets there's unrest, there is chaos there is protest, there is hate there is violence it is good to get a good definition of peace protesters, citizens, even corporations they are seeking to answer the question and desire for peace they're asking the question how can I make things right and what can I do to make my society right? These questions manifest themselves in the question like should I wear a mask or not? Should I protest or should I object is objections? We are looking for a way to, to be at peace with ourselves and with the world. This longing is the longing for justification to be made right. But Paul telling us here that no amount of human effort or virtue singing will bring us the peace that we desire. If you don't have peace with God first, we will never have peace in this world. And Paul makes this even more emphatic when he says the word therefore in verse one. What is Paul referring to? Well, what Paul was referring to is what he said in chapter four, that our justification is not by works, but by faith. This justification brings us peace with God, the Father. And God and I are no longer at war with each other. There is no strife between us. Paul is honing down that you have been justified by faith. He's using another strong word where he says, since. It is a statement of certainty. It is something that already happened and that we don't have to wait for. Our justification immediately brings us with peace with God. And that's something that we hope that would happen. That's something that we know has already happened. As soon as you put your faith in Christ, you have peace with God. We place our faith in Christ, and immediately all hostility between me and God has ceased. Not only does hostility cease between me and God, but also this relationship. Not only did the peace that we have between God stop any war, but it established a relationship with God. And now I have a personal relationship with God. Bring to my next point. The second benefit of our justification is that we have access to God. Paul gives us the source of this grace when he says, through him, referring to Christ, the benefit of our justification is that we have access to God through Christ. Well, why through Christ? Why not through any other means? Because Christ is the mediator between God and man. It is through Him that believers have access to God by faith. Jesus says in John chapter four, verse six, chapter fourteen, verse six, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son." Because of Christ, we have direct access to God the Father. John MacArthur puts it well when he says, for the Jews, the idea of having direct access or introduction to God was unthinkable because we, to see God face to face was to die, end quote. If you read your Old Testament, you will see that only a select few had access to God. Only the priests can enter the holies of holies and the Gentiles could only come to the outer courts and that's it. But through Jesus Christ. All of us have direct access to God. The Jew, the Gentile, the priest, the pastor, the layperson, white, black, Spanish, woman, all have access to God directly. And the, and, the third, and the second point to that is what does his access to God give us? It gives access to his grace. Through faith in Christ, we are given grace, which is a power not only to save us, but to keep us saved. Now what is grace? It is God's undeserved favor. And this undeserved favor is the free gift of God. It is free because we didn't work to earn it. It was given to us because of Christ. Grace is an action of God that works in us to change our, to change us, our capacity, to give us capacity for work, for suffering, and for obedience. This grace produces real, practical outcomes in people's lives, like being sufficient for good deeds, like enduring a thorn in the flesh, like being able to work hard. This grace overflows in powerful, practical helpfulness from God in our daily lives when we need it most. Grace also preserves us in our faith. Because oftentimes, as believers, we sin. We fall into sin. We commit things that are not right for God. And we set the more powerful to keep us so we don't lose our faith. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5.20 when he says, But where sin increased, grace abounds the, the all the more. Because if grace is powerful enough to draw me to him, then grace is powerful enough to keep me in him even when I sin. Who then has access to this grace? It is those who put their trust in Christ Jesus. This grace moves us from under God's wrath and into his favor. God's wrath was upon me because we owed a debt to God. Our debt came because of our sin. And the only way we could pay that debt was by God giving us his grace through our our faith in Jesus Christ. By faith we receive this grace, not just faith alone, but faith in Christ alone. My question to you is: how are you planning to pay that debt? What are you, who are you placing your faith in, your faith in? Are you placing your faith in yourself, on your abilities, on the economy, on a particular political party? Our grace depends solely on God and, his, and him keeping us saved. This is an important question because Paul draws our attention to something significant that all of us face, no matter whether we are saved or not, that is trials. Paul tells us that our justification gives a perseverance in our trials. Look at verses 3, 5 to 8. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God does not put us to shame. Because of sin, we live in a cursed and fallen world. Because of that, there is suffering. People get divorced, kids get cancer, people kill each other, there's racism. There is hate and there is dysfunction. And suffering is experienced both for Christians and non Christians. Everybody acknowledges something is wrong with this world. Everybody knows that the bad things happen to people. People are trying ways to fix it. Some turn to drugs, some turn to sex, some want more power, some turn to political parties. But suffering is something that all of us go through. And Paul is reminding us that suffering is a part of the Christian life. And the Greek word that Paul used for suffering is the word trial or tribulations. That word has a meaning of being under pressure. It has an analogy of being squeezed like an olive when it's to extract the oil, or like an orange being squeezed to extract the juice. That tribulation that Paul is speaking about is not common to all people, but it's what happened to those, particularly. Who are suffering for the sake of Christ? One of the hardest promises that scripture gives us is that we will suffer, and that th- that we will be under the pressure of Satan, the world, and the flesh. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy three twelve, all who desire to live godly, godly in Christ will be persecuted. We see it today, don't we? We see how we're being attacked as believers. We see how it's becoming harder and harder for us to be Christians in our jobs, in our schools, with our neighbors, wherever we go in the streets. How often do we get laughed at for being a Christian? How often do we we get mocked for believing in Christ and for standing for truth? But this should not cause us to grow weary as Christians. Instead, we should rejoice. And I have two reasons why. The first Is that suffering for Christ is an honor. When the disciples in the book of Acts were beaten for preaching the gospel, they rejoiced and thought that was an honor. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 40 to 41. Look what it says. And when they called in the apostles and they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and, and let them go, they left the presence of the council rejoicing. That they were counted worthy to suffer this honor for the name. And the second reason why suffering is is good for the believer. Because suffering comes with a blessing and a reward. As we face trials as Christians, we grow in maturity and in sanctification. To be sanctified is to be conformed into the image of Christ. And we are justified so that we can be Sanctified. And this is accomplished by the grace of God. Our goal as believers is to grow in maturity. is to grow in holiness. So then why does God go through all this trouble for us? Why does he justify us? Why does he give us his grace and actions through him? Paul gives us the answer in verses 5b to 8. Look what it says. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still sinners, when we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For no one would scarcely die for the, un, for the righteous person Through perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the fourth benefit of our justification is that we receive the love of God. One of the most comforting things about the nature of God that he chose to love me a sinner a ratchet, disobedient sinner how does God show his love God's love is poured in our hearts as it is renewed in Christ it's like a cup being filled with water until the water overflows in the table and the cup cannot contain the amount of water being poured in it God's love for us is unmeasurable. And this is evidence of his love because he gave us his spirit. The benefit of, of the love of God is that we are giving the Holy Spirit to dwell with us. We have the presence with God, we have the presence of God wherever we go. No longer do we have to go to temple or tabernacles to see, to get to have God's presence. He dwells with us in our hearts by faith. And because of this, we have hope. Because all of us fit into one of those categories. None of us are lovable. Because Christ did not die because we were lovable and because we were not lovable. That means that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. Because God's love does not depend on what I did, but what Christ did on my behalf. Paul poses another interesting statement. Let's read verse 7 again. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, through perhaps for a good person, one would dare to even die. I like how John MacArthur explains this this section right here. Paul is not making a a contrast between a righteous man with a good man, but simply using the term synonymously. His point is that it is uncommon for a person to sacrifice his own life in order to save even someone of high character. Still, fewer people are are inclined to give their lives to save a person that they consider to be a wicked scoundrel. End quote. But Christ died for the wicked. He died for the unthinkable. He did the unthinkable. He did what nobody was willing to do. He gave his life for the worst of the worst. And because Christ died for the worst, we are, we are sure that, his, that he died for me. And the last benefit of our justification is that we are certainty of our salvation. Look at verses 9 to 11. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now we are now reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now receive reconciliation. Because Christ died for the worst, we are assured. Not only did our justification benefit us here in the now, but also in the future. If God has already done all the difficult work for us, Justifying us, by, justifying us by Christ's blood and dying for the ungodly. How much more can we depend to accomplish the easier task, which is to keep us, to save us from the wrath of God? Because we are justified by faith in Christ, we move from children of wrath and we become adopted sons and daughters of God. I hate it, all, I hate it say it all, all, all the time, that all of us are children of God. But the Bible doesn't support that. We all are God's creation, but the Bible says in John chapter one, verse 12 and 13, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born out of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I am a child of God by my faith in Christ. Therefore God's wrath is no longer upon me. Christ took the penalty that I deserved, and he delivered us from the judgment that awaits those who do not believe in Christ. Christ's work reconciled us back to God. Now, what does it mean? It means that now me and God have a personal and intimate relationship. Because of our sin, we were separated from God, but now through Christ's death and resurrection, I'm reconciled back to God, And Christ brings me to a right relationship with God the Father, and we are no longer enemies, but now we are friends. This then secures our future. Not only because we worked, not because we worked to earn it, but because God's love for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's like being invited to a wedding. When you get invited to the wedding, you don't come to the wedding. When you get invited to the wedding, you come and you respond and you say yes. You don't live up to the day of wedding, whether you question or not whether or not you're invited. You go with confidence, knowing that when you are invited, it's sure when you go to the wedding, you're assured that your name is going to be on the list. was well, the same for us. When we put our faith in Christ, we are assured that our name is going to be written in the book of the Lamb of Life. So the believer doesn't live in lack of confidence, but he lives with confidence because he knows who he's put his trust in. His trust is not in himself, but it is in Christ. So the believer lives his life with the assurance that my salvation is secure, not because I've earned work to earn it, it's because Christ did it for me. This is sufficient for us to live a life of confidence. Not in arrogance, but in confidence. The Christian has to live his life for the here and the now, but we live for the next as well. We know that what happens when we die. We go to the Father where we will live in peace and joy because of the blood of Christ has given me access to the Father. Our boast is not because we earned God's love by our own effort, because Christ died for me to give me life now and also in the next. And now I, am, I can scream, Abba, Father, because of my relationship with God the Father. Now as I close, I pray and hope that when you, are, when you hear about your word justification, that you remember the benefits of our justification. Remember that you have peace with God. And that peace gives us access to him. And because we have access to him, we have his grace. And because we have his grace, we can persevere in our trials. We are able to persevere because God loves us. And because God loves us, we are certain of our salvation. God the Father and Christ the Son made a total one-sided sacrifice to reconcile us. We sacrificed nothing. Christ bore on the cross the full judgment that we deserve for our rebellion against God. As a result... Through him we gain forgiveness and countless other blessings that come through being in right relationship with God. We rightly join with the heavenly angels and give the highest praise to God for reconciling himself to us in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for giving us your son. We thank you for allowing your son to die for us on our behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down, taking on the human flesh, suffering, taking on the death that we deserve on the cross to give us life and hope. Thank you, Spirit, for dwelling in us to illuminate God's word so we can be able to rejoice and be glad in it and to read it daily in our lives. Thank you for everything you've given us. Let us rejoice and be glad that we have all that we need in Christ Jesus. Amen.